one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Amen. I'll just go and let y'all know, give you a heads up. I don't even think I told Kelsey, but this will be our last, uh, our last message in the Good Ground series. Um, this is just where the Lord's leading me. So we gotta make today count, amen. amen. You know, she uh, she's been mentioning the, uh, the Super Bowl and the Usher concert. Um, I have a pastor friend. Uh, he had uh, he had posted a, a a funny little thing about he uh, he said uh, he said don't wait until halftime to see an Usher. We can introduce you to one tomorrow morning at ten forty five, and then post it his church's address. <laughs> I was like, oh. I wish I would have said that. <laughs> he said, don't wait till see Usher tomorrow night. You could come to church and see one. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> oh, me. So, it's funny. There's a few people in here that obviously, if you didn't know, they're very excited about um, this year's halftime performer. I, me, I care less. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I'm in, it for, I'm in it for the commercials. The commercials is what entertains me with the with the game. I don't have a, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't have a team in the playing but you know it's all good hallelujah who's glad to be in the house of the lord amen amen amen, amen, amen. If you have a bible we're going to open up in second corinthians chapter five if you don't it's all good we'll put it up on the screen but we have been in this series called good ground somebody say good ground good ground we are we are desiring for god to make us good ground because if you've been trekking with us if you haven't go back and listen i'll do my best to try to recap but ultimately there ultimately jesus tells this parable in matthew chapter 13 he tells this parable of this farmer that goes and sows these seeds now spoiler alert in john 15 jesus says the farmer that does the work is god the father he says, he says, my father is the farmer. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when Jesus tells this parable, he's talking about himself, and then he's talking about us. But he says this farmer goes and sows these seeds into the field, and there's something that happens. And I love, I, I encourage you, even when this is over, still go back and reread this. But in the first parable, he says that, um, he says some seeds fell on, on rocky ground. So therefore, the, the seeds couldn't grow. They couldn't produce. Why? Because thorns and thistles grew up and choked them out. And he said that represents the worries of life. He says some seeds, when they fell on the ground, the birds came and swallowed them up. And he says this represents when the enemy comes into our life and steals what the Lord tries to deposit on the side of us. And he tells a couple other scenarios. But then he says, but then there was some seed that fell on good ground. Amen. And our desire, this is what the Lord has put uh, for, I guess you can say, a theme for this year, but I wouldn't even say a theme. This is, this is the direction we're going towards, which is becoming good ground. 
not letting the worries of this life choke out what he deposits on the inside of you. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning should not be a, okay, I, I've lost what, what happened last Sunday. Let me try to get it back. No, that shouldn't be your testimony every Sunday. It should be another feeling. Amen. It should be another feeling. It should be another feeling of the Holy Spirit, another feeling of, uh, of his uh, awareness within you, something unlocking, another level uh, unlocking within you, another uh, degree of glory that you're ascending to. Amen? Amen. But he says that some seed fell on good ground. And back to John 15, but Jesus says in John 15, he says the seed that he wants to deposit on the side of us, it's the type of fruit that when it's producing, it's the type of fruit that can remain in all seasons. And we've talked about this before, but, you, you know, you can go to Walmart or you can go to Fujian or wherever, and you're not going to be able to find fruit and vegetables throughout all seasons that look ripe. You know, you're going to go in the winter, you're going to see some fruit and vegetables that have some brown spots or whatever. But in the spring or summer, they're going to look pretty, they're going to look pristine, they're going to look something straight off the calendar or straight off a poster. But in the wintertime, you're like, ooh, you know, maybe we need to lay hands on the farmers and see what's going on. You know, but that's that's the earthly realm. But what Jesus wants to deposit, it's it's a spiritual thing that hopefully spills over onto your physical life. Amen. Amen. So today we're talking about we're we're ending this series talking about uh, being good ground. But I want you to know, in order to be good ground, your purpose in life is to serve others. Part of your purpose is to serve others. See, the best thing about a garden is not just it can produce fruits and vegetables, but how much can it produce and how many can it supply food for? Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, and then we're going to skip down to verse 17 through 21. Paul says this. He says, since we, somebody say me, since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. I'm going to read that part again. This is this. Listen, if you don't know, Lindsay, what am I supposed to be doing in life? Here's your one job. All right. Paul says, since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord. What does holy awe mean? What does holy awe mean? It, literally, that the, the word holy means set apart. It means there's there's nothing or no one else like this one thing or one person that you de- that you describe as holy. And if we describe God as holy, we're saying, Lord, you are set apart. There is nobody else like you. There is nothing in the earth like you. We used to sing it years ago. Uh, nobody like you. Nobody greater than you. So if we're standing in holy awe, have you ever stood in awe of something? You ever seen something? You're just like you're you're speechless. That's the way we should be about the Lord. When we when we get into his word, we're just we see something, we read something, we're like, Phew. Lord, I ain't got no words for that. In fact, I love it because the Bible says that the angels around the throne. Now there's angels all throughout. We ain't in the notes, so stay with me this morning. But there's angels all throughout heaven. But the Bible says that around the throne, there's angels that are circling God. And as they circle God, they get around him and they look and they're like, oh, you're so holy. Now, the Bible says that they circle back around him again. You would think that they, all right, they, they seen the side again. So now they're going to come back around again. They're going to be like, all right, we got a new word for you. And the Bible says that when they get back around, they, oh, God, you're so holy. Why, you know, in, in, in the Lindsay Melton translation, I fully believe that they, they get around God. They, they circle around him and they, they come to find out they see another side of God and they're blown away. They're in awe of him and they're like, oh, you're so holy. See, that's what the, your walk should look like to where every morning we get up. 
It's another day. Lord, you woke me up again. People didn't wake up this morning, and still you, you've allowed me to wake up. You've allowed this heart to beat uh, the rhythms of life. You've allowed this heart to pump blood from the top of my head all the way down to my pinky toe. You've allowed oxygen to go into these lungs. Lord, you are so holy. Lord, there's still a roof over my, Lord, you're so holy. Lord, there is still food in the fridge. God, you're so holy. There's gas in the tank. You, you are so holy. Oh, God, you're so holy. This is our walk, church. Oh, come on, put a smile on your face. This is how we walk. This is how we talk. This is how we march to the beat of heaven. And Paul said, if we are in holy awe, we make it our passion. Passion. You can't, you can't go loving the Lord like, God is so good. Oh, he's so good. You know, if I, you know how, how are people going to believe that God is so good when we're like, oh, he's so good? Looking like Eeyore and sounding like Eeyore. Anybody remember Eeyore? Yep. When Eeyore came on the screen, you knew that you knew the scene was always going to be a Debbie Downer. But when the Pooh come on or Tigger come on, the excitement goes back up. Paul says we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. There's your purpose right there. There it is in a nutshell. We make we are we are persuading people to turn to Jesus. Now, here, here's where the church doesn't like. You ready? It said, Paul said, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. Didn't say anything about we make it our passion to invite people to church. There's a difference between turning to Christ and coming to church. And let's talk about that for a minute. It's not in the notes. Lindsay, are you saying we shouldn't invite people to church? No, I'm not. You should invite people to church. But your first priority is for people to turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Hey, do you understand that there is a God that loves you? No, I didn't know that. And once you've, once you've overcome that or once you tackle that, then bring them on to church. But understand there is a difference between inviting people to church and getting them to or persuading them to turn their heart to God. Now, Lindsay, what, what, if, what if we invite them to church and then they turn their heart to God? That's great. But I want us to realize our first priority is as I'm talking to people, as I'm as I'm going up to strangers, I'm invested in their heart versus how many people I can get in the seats. We should be invested. We said this from the very beginning and nobody paid attention. But from the very beginning, we said we had to be focused on who we are becoming before we invest in who is coming. Focus on who is God creating me to be. And when we do that, we see, OK, God's after my heart. And what he's after, I need to be after. If he's after hearts, I need to be after hearts. If he's after lives, I need to be after lives. If he's after souls, one of my favorite Christian rappers, he's the, he's the original soul snatcher. If he's after souls, I need to be after souls. When I go see somebody, instead of saying, hey, you weren't at church Sunday, I need to say, hey, how's your heart doing? How, how, hey, uh, you know, around this time of the year, I know it gets tough. Have you, you know, have you been dealing with this, this, this? Have you, been, have you been wrestling with this, this, this? Or, hey, is there anything I can pray with you over? Yeah, da, da, da. Hey, now that we prayed, hey, you know, listen, if you ain't got nothing else to do, come with us. Come with me this Sunday. Or come with me on a Wednesday night. Paul said that we are to persuade others to turn to Christ. We ain't even got through the first verse, and I'm already preaching. We know that our lives are transparent before the God who knows us fully. Oh, come on. Who knows us fully? This ain't in the notes, but we going in this morning. Paul said that God knows you fully. Somebody say fully. fully. Listen, me and, me and Kelsey, we've been married for a long time. 
no, not a long time, just 13 years, almost 13 years. It'll be 13 years in June, all right? Whoop, whoop. But here's the thing. In those 13 years, I don't fully know her, and she don't fully know me. <laughs> hey, you keep that to yourself, all right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But you would think after, if you think being with somebody for 13 years, you're going to know them. And there's some days where I'm like, I feel like I know them. You know, I know her. Like, she want to do something like, girl, that ain't you. Quit playing. Like, you don't do this. And, you know, there's sometimes where I want to venture out and do something. She's like, you don't do that. Quit playing. This is you. And we can say that about maybe our kids. Or you can say that about your best friend for the longest time or maybe a parent or whoever it is. But at the end of the day, you do not know your significant other, or you don't know the person that you spent the most time with fully. But Paul said, Christ knows you fully. I mean, if he knows how many hairs are on the top of your head, Lindsay, I'm bald. Don't, he knows the ones that can't nobody else see. He knows the peach fuzz. My kids got peach fuzz. He knows how much peach fuzz they have. <laughs> I think it's cool. <laughs> Seven years old, already got a little shadow. I'm like, my man. <laughs> You're going to do it. You're going to do things for the kingdom of God, you know. But Paul said that God knows us fully. And then he says, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciousness. All right. And then verse 17, we'll skip down to verse 17. Paul said, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he or she has become an entirely new person. Somebody say, I'm a new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new, and he has reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. There it is again. We said we're supposed to be persuading people to Christ. Paul just said we are reconciling people back to God. In other words, it was thought the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. You have been trusted to do that. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God. Ooh, are you ready? You ain't ready for this. Watch this. He said, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our what? Lips. So when you're talking to people, when you're persuading them, it's not you. Paul said we do it knowing that, hey, this isn't me. This is God speaking through me. Think of it this way. I remember as a kid in the 90s, we had, we, had a, we had a landline phone. Not too many people have landline phones anymore, but we had a landline phone. You know, I can still remember all my emergency numbers I was supposed to remember going into kindergarten. I still, I ain't going to quote it out, but I still uh, remember Miss Louisa's number. I still remember Granny's number. I still remember uh, Grandpa's number, landline number. I still, I mean, I had all those. I remembered Little Acorn's number. One time, Kelsey, Kelsey was like, what's Little Acorn's number? Quoted it right then. You know, the 90s were a different time. It's a time to be alive, you know. But, yeah, whatever. But I remember we had this landline phone. And even though we lived at the very end of Virgil Lane, Granny lived at the top. Whenever, some, uh, whenever Mom would want to call Granny, she would say, hey, Lindsay, call Granny. You know, that, I was the original Siri, you know. The kids were the original Siri. It wasn't Siri back then. It was just tell your kids to do it. She'd be like, call Granny. So I pick up the phone. Doo, 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 doo. And instead of me giving her the phone, she would say, tell Granny this, because she'd be cooking or whatever. So I'd tell, hey, Granny, hey, baby, how you doing? 
stories? I tell her, da, da, da. hey, mom said this. I, okay, well, tell her this. So I'm relaying the message, but mom knows that as I'm speaking, it's not me. It's Granny speaking through me to her, this message that whatever it is. And as Granny knows, it's not her grandbaby speaking to her. It's her daughter speaking through her grandbaby. Oh, I'm getting somewhere this morning to her. Listen, when you are talking to people, it's not you talking to them. It is Christ speaking through you to them. Amen. Understand that there is more to you that meets the eye. Stop giving into those insecurities. Stop giving into all the mistakes that you made. Well, I'm not perfect in this. I, I stutter. I don't know how to do. Listen, if Moses, the king of stuttering, can can be used by God to part the Red Seas, then what is holding you up this morning? What is holding you back this morning? It is not you that's speaking to your friends. It's not you that's speaking to your co-workers. It's not you that's speaking to the person you can't stand. It is Christ wanting to compel through your lips, wanting to speak through your lips. Amen. Amen. Paul said, so we tenderly, tenderly, you know what tenderly means? You got, in the words of Michael, uh, Michael Jazz, you got to do with some TLC. You got to put some TLC on those words that you say. You can't just be like, you need to repent right now. Oh, God, that's scary. It scared me even say that. But you can, you can approach somebody with TLC and be like, hey, how's your heart? Hey, how you been the last few weeks? Hey, did, you, did you see the prices of gas went up? Man, how you doing? I'm, me, I'm, sometimes I don't feel like I'm making it, but, I'm, but God's holding me up. How are you doing? You hear the difference with that? You hear the difference when we apply TLC to it, Amen. Don't just sing about it, but apply it. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. And then verse 21. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for who? Us. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Amen. Through our union with him, we are the righteousness of God. Through our union with him, we are the righteousness of God. Through our union with him, we are the righteousness of God. Lindsay, what does that mean? Think of it this way. Back to that phone scenario when I was a kid. Through the union that me, mom, and granny shared, I was a part of that conversation. Even if it was above my head, but because I shared that, because I was echoing it back and forth. Back and forth, she understood it wasn't her little son talking to her. It was her mother speaking through her son. Listen, this fruit serves the purpose to feed and provide nutrients that our body needs. So our purpose is connected to serving others. Your purpose in life is connected to serving others. I said earlier, but the markings of a good garden is one, the quality of the product. The markings of a good garden is the quality of the product. You know, if it produces cucumbers that, that, you know, may have looked like worms got into it, then that garden may need, uh, may need to be stripped down and broken down and, and, and refertilized and, and pestilized and all that other stuff. You know, kill all, the, kill all the bad people, all the bad animals and all that stuff. We'll say that. But number two, the other markings of a good garden is how many people can benefit off of it. How many people can, can, uh, can the garden provide food for? See, becoming good ground for the Lord, it's supposed to have an effect on you, and it's supposed to have an effect on the people around you. 
See, becoming good ground for God. We, we said it all throughout this whole series, Lord, make me good ground. I, I pray that's been y'all's prayer these last few weeks. And I pray it continues to be your prayer. Lord, make me good ground. In order to be made good ground or, or part of being the part of being made good ground, whatever God does in you, it's supposed to affect the people around you. Whatever God does in you, it's supposed to affect the people around you. I'm going to say one more time, whatever God does in you, it's supposed to affect the people around you. Lindsay, how do you know that? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the famous Great Commission. There's a line in there. Jesus says this in verse 18. He said, then Jesus came close to them and said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Verse 19. Now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And verse 20, and teach them to faithfully follow. Somebody say faithfully follow. Faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. I like how Jesus said, never forget that I am with you. But listen, the reason I had y'all say faithfully follow, because in the Aramaic, see what we read it, it says faithfully follow. But in the Aramaic, that phrase faithfully follow, it's not there. You know what it says? It says to keep guard, to keep or guard like a fortress, keep or guard like a fortress. So so Jesus said to teach all them to guard their faith, to keep their faith, to keep their faith. Somebody say keep the faith. I remember as a kid, I would hear I would hear the I would hear the seasoned saints say that. I hear them as they walk past, hey, keep the faith, brother. And I'm, as a kid, I'm like, keep the faith. Keep the faith, you know. All right, keep the faith. Didn't know what it meant. I just, it just sounded cool. And then, you know, as, you know, growing up as a big comic book nerd, you know, I'm like, all right, keep the faith. We got to keep the faith. And as an adult, I'm like, I, I, I understand why. Because Jesus wouldn't tell us to keep the faith. He wouldn't tell us to guard it unless there was an enemy or an adversary trying to steal it away. Amen. If you look at some of the old movies or, or any of the old shows that, that depict like the medi- uh, medieval times and they, they had a fortress, they had, you know, the, the, the wall that goes around their, their castle or around their little village or around their city. And they always had guards that would stand at the, at the gate and they would guard it. Why? Because behind it was something worth protecting. Your faith is more valuable than what you think. Your faith, it's more valuable than what you think. Your, your soul is more valuable than what you think. And Jesus says that we are to keep the faith. Why? Because Peter said it best. He said that there is an enemy, there is an adversary out there who appears like a roaring lion, seeking who he may steal or seeking who he may devour. In fact, the Bible says that we have an enemy who is looking to try to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. Amen. Well, Lindsay, I got nothing worth worth stealing. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have something more precious than gold. You have something more precious than rubies. In fact, you have something. We read it last week and we watched it last week. But you have something that 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 Jesus described that literally there was a man that literally was running and he found a treasure and re-hid that treasure in the field and went and gave everything to purchase that field. You are that treasure that he purchased. You are the treasure that he gave all of his life for. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he said that Jesus didn't count it equal to be with God, but in fact he lowered himself and literally stepped out of heaven and came onto the earth. He gave up heaven. Gave up heaven. And we struggle to give up a few dollars. 
Or we're praying, God, I'm giving up this meal for you for the next 21 days. Lord, but Jesus, he gave heaven up. He gave heaven up for you. He gave heaven up to reconcile us. Heaven to reconcile us. Heaven to reconcile us. There is something in you that is worth more than you can ever imagine. And the devil wants to steal it. He wants to distract you. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to literally belittle you. He wants to make error. He wants to get you to belittle yourself. Literally, he wants to get you in the feels and in the emotions. There was one night last week where literally we were getting ready to lay down, and, and Kelsey's like, or I said, man, does it get better? And she's like, well, tomorrow is da-da-da-da. And I'm like, yeah, but tomorrow's problems is this, this, this. She's like, but there's Friday. She In the scenario, she was being in faith. Your boy wasn't being in faith. And I'm like, yeah, but Friday's got Friday's problems, you know. I'm thinking these kids still going to be these kids, you know. <laughs> these bills still going to call, all these different things. And we can't be like that because at the end of the day, if we are in faith, we have to keep it. We have to guard our hearts that, do, that the moment that our emotions start to rise up. Yes, all those things are true. But at the end of the day, hey, no, 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 I'm not going to let them affect me. I'm, God is making me into good ground. I'm not going to let the crows that are circling around me, I'm not going to give them something to eat. Woo. I'm not going to give the crows of my emotions something to feed. I'm not, I'm not going to feed my emotions. I'm not going to feed my insecurities. I'm not going to feed my flesh. I'm not going to give in to my flesh. Amen? Amen. Lindsay, what does giving in to your flesh look like? Getting angry for no apparent reason. Getting bitter or holding, or holding grudges. Not forgiving those that have offended us. Man, I'm flowing this morning because none of this is in the notes, so you're getting it. But forgiving those that have, that have offended us, that's one of the biggest things. That's one of the hardest things. But if we're going to be good ground, if we're going to be the type of ground that when Jesus deposits, like this morning when we was in worship, there was a, there was a deposit that was made this morning. Whether you realized it or not, there is a deposit. Anytime you step into the presence of God, there is a deposit that happens. There's a deposit that he, wants to, that he wants to make happen within you. And I say that because why? Because he recognizes who he has made you to be. And we know, and, and still sometimes we don't operate the way he has made us to be. So therefore he wants to, he wants to bridge the gap. He wants to say, hey, I, I, this is who I've made you to be. I know you're struggling. So here, get, get in my presence and I'm, we're going to take this out and we're going to put this right in. We're going we're gonna to take this out. And we're going to put this right in. I said it before, but I remember as a kid whenever my mom would get her hair braided, I hated it because it was always on Saturday. And Saturdays were meant for Saturday cartoons. How dare you take me out of Channel 7 to go watch you get your hair braided. But we would go do that. And I remember one, th- I remember one day I was like, I'm, I'm going to think of a way how we can get this done faster. So, like, you know, the lady would get more. You know, she, if she needed a little rubber bands, I'd run. Instead of walk, I'd run, go get the rubber you know, knee towels, paper towels. I mean, I'm running everywhere. I'm thinking maybe we can hurry this up so I could get back to finish Power Rangers or whatever it is. And as I'm watching her, I'm studying her as if I'm going to learn how to braid. I'm, I didn't. But as I'm watching her, she would take one strand of my mom's hair, one strand of the braid, and she would literally intertwine. And she would tie it together, tie it together. But before she would do it, she, she would run a comb 
to straighten it out. But also, if there's any flakes or dirt, some of y'all know where I'm going. If there's anything that didn't belong there, she would, she would run that comb through it to bring it out. That way, what the good part and the natural part, she would be able to tie it together and there's no impurities mixed in within it. See, that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. He wants, as he's pruning, nobody likes the pruning stuff. We, that's the reason we don't sing that song, because nobody wants to be pruned. But guess what? The pruning is for your good. The purification is for your good. Being thrown into the furnace, it doesn't feel good. It's hot, but it's for your good. It burns off all the impurities. And guess what? As he's pruning your life, as he's scaling it down, as, as you're not having a whole lot of people to go out with, or as people aren't calling you every day, as people aren't cheering you on, as he's pruning you, He's bringing out all the impurities, and then he's taking himself and you, and he's intertwining it. He's wrapping it together. That way, when people see you, they see him. That way, when you speak, you're not speaking with these lips. He's speaking through your lips. That way, when you see somebody in need, and you're you're like, I don't have anything to give, and all of a sudden, wait, Lord, you've blessed me. I can give this much, or I can can take care of this, or or I can be a blessing, or I can get them where they need to go, or whatever it is. Why? Because he's intertwined himself with you. Why? Because you've submitted to becoming good ground. You've submitted to being like, okay, Lord, it's not my will, but it's your will be done. Amen. Amen. You've submitted to the fact that, okay, I'm going to reconcile everybody in my world. Everybody in my world. Lindsay, who's all in my world? Everybody that you see. We'll we'll make it simple. Everybody you see on the daily basis. This is one of the reasons I've told mom several times, but I couldn't be doing what they do. I couldn't be doing what Miss Miranda does. I couldn't be doing what my wife does. I couldn't be doing what the Shadron does. I couldn't do what little Drea does. I still call little Drea. I couldn't do that. I, I'm great with my kids. And I'm great with my kids' friends. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> I've done well. That, that's, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's a big improvement because used to I was just good with my kids. But now they're friends. I'm good with their, you know, their friends. Like we was at the bank the other day seeing, uh, seeing y'all and like I noticed them before they did. So I'm like, ooh. There, there, there's, hey, hey, boys, look who that is. And that turned into a big thing. I thought we, we weren't even going to be able to pull out of the drive there without hitting somebody because they're just like, my God, my God, Kata, Kata. Even Cohen's like, oh, no, no, no. I was like, stop, Cohen, stop. <laughs> they're your brother's friends, okay? Your friends back at Little Acorn. <laughs> no, Cohen's with the Cohen's friends with them. Cohen's friends with them. <laughs> but we should, we should light up like that. When we see each other. But watch this. We should light up like that even if we see somebody that we don't know is a believer or, or maybe doesn't go to our church. Or watch this. Somebody that, that maybe has done us wrong. We should still light up at the opportunity to fellowship with them. To fellowship with them. That's what the Lord does with us. He fellowships with us. He walks with us. He talks with us. He endures with us. He endures the, 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 the tough seasons and the great seasons. Amen. Listen, this series may be done, but the devil's attacks aren't. This series may be done, but the devil's attacks aren't. You got to guard your heart. You got to guard that faith. You need to keep the faith. You need to work to keep it. Lindsay, are you saying we got to work to keep our salvation? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to work to keep what the Lord has deposited on the inside of you because the devil will try to come and steal it. Jesus said it best. He said literally the birds in that parable, the birds that came and tried to devour the seed. That's the devil trying to devour what Jesus is saying through me to you right now. He will use distraction. Did I leave this? Did I leave the stove on? 
He will use other distractions. Why well, I don't have enough money for this? How am I going to get money? Or the church needs this and church, when we're going to do this? Why hasn't Pastor Lindsay done this? He's talked about this. He will use every distraction just to get you to miss on the right moment for your life. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> as we begin to produce fruit, as we pr- begin to produce fruit, remember the, pur- the purpose of a garden is to serve others, not just the farmer, but it's to serve others. Amen? Amen. And the markings of a good garden is one, the quality of the product, and two, how many people can it feed? So if, we're, so if God is trying to produce fruit through us, then that means that we're supposed to be serving others. Amen? Somebody say serving others. So how do we serve our community? I talked about this at the very, very beginning of the year, the vision for this year, how God was going to make us good ground. But we talked about some of the different things that we was going to be doing. One of those was small groups. We talked about how we was going to grow in discipleship. And disciples aren't made in a Sunday school room. Disciples are made in life. When Jesus made disciples, he didn't say, sit down and we're going to do the Sunday school lesson. No, he said, come and come follow me. Come watch me where I lay my head, which is nowhere. Come watch me, come watch me feed, come watch me bathe, come watch me clothe, come watch me, come watch me minister, come watch me do all the watch how I walk, watch how I interact with people. That's how he made disciples. He invited them to into his life and to follow him. We make disciples by inviting people into our life. And the one of the ways we do that is through small groups. I think our first uh, night and day event is February 24th. Am I correct? Is that the, is that the, oh, we do have to change it. Okay. So one of our first, what we're going to do is it's called night and day. And I I love this. So one of the events will be for the women at night, and one of the events will be for the men in the morning. Or we may flip it, and the women get the morning, and the men get the night. We'll figure that out. But through this, what this is, is women will get together, and those that have small children, We'll figure out a way. I may just be like, hey, bring them to me, and we'll watch, I'll watch them here. You know, as long as you give me permission to give them some pizza and some the, the good 90s cartoons, and we'll be good. But, you know, this is a chance for women to get together and literally just bond. Bond in a clean, safe environment, whether it's going out to eat or whether it's watching something or whether it's just shopping or whatever it is. And eventually we'll, we'll extend this to not just women's groups, but we'll have, we'll have, the, we'll have uh, groups based off of age or based off of marriage or non-married, whatever it is. But I know just starting off right this month, our, we'll do the women's group and do the men's group. Hopefully the men get the, 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 the day portion because I can see it's going to Casey's Farmhouse for breakfast because that was good. That was good. But ultimately the purpose of us getting together is to grow. And watch this as we grow. Do we just contain it? No. We spread it. What you received in the women's group or what you received in the men's group, you take it with you to work the next day. When somebody's like, how was, this, how was that weekend for you? Man, let me th- I got with some of the guys in my church. Let me tell you what we talked about. Or I got, some, I got together with the sisters of my church. Let me tell you what we talked about. Like whatever it is. I got, man, I got together with some of the, I got some, together with some of the seasoned saints in my church that been through some stuff. Honey, we ain't been through nothing like what they've been, let me tell you what they've been through. And let me tell you that they are still standing on the word of God and it makes me want to stand on the word of God. We grow, iron sharpens iron. Only iron can sharpen other iron. Guess what? The person to your left or to your right, that's a piece of iron and they are meant to sharpen you. Look at them and say, hey, you, you're iron. Look at them and say, you're iron. 
Come on, you got to start seeing, hey, you know what, Lord, you didn't just drop me in this, in this building randomly on accident. No, you put me in this collective to get sharpened, amen? amen. He puts you to get sharpened. Come on, I'm speaking of some purpose this morning. He's placed you in this building to get sharpened, amen? amen. I want to be sharpened. You ever try to cut something with a dull blade and make you frustrated? You want to throw it in the trash. But when you got the right knife, woo, yeah, huh? I see y'all, mmm. You get the right knife, you can cut through anything, amen? amen? You get the right people around you, I'm a preacher. You get the right people around you, when the devil tries to cut you, mm-mm. No, 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 no. Hey, I, I, I'm built different. I've been around other iron that has sharpened me. In fact, whenever life gets dull because you are surrounded by iron that is sharpening you, there is no dull person, portion of your life. When life gets dull for other people, it doesn't get dull for you. It is still invigorated. It is still adventurous. It is still joyous. It is still full of bliss. It is still happiness. It is still full of the very vibrant life that God has called you to live. Why? Because you're being sharpening by other members of the body amen? amen another another thing we talked about and i just talked about it but this is something the lord has put on my heart i mean to the point i stopped work uh i think it was thursday thursday or friday and i wrote this down it was thursday i remember where i was at now but a toy drive now originally when i said this in january and i hadn't had a fully chance to talk to kelsey about this originally i talked about us uh, uh uh collecting toys throughout the year and then giving it to the carl perkins center at the end of the year and there's nothing wrong with that but as i'm working and i'm like i'm, I'm thinking about that i said all right lord lord uh okay so when i get off i'll call so and so that i know at the carl perkins center and he said lindsay i want you to do it yourself i said what do you mean i'm gonna do myself he said i want y'all to do it yourself and i'm like like us so then I feel like Moses. Then I started listing all the excuses. I'm like, but Laura, wait, what about this? And we, Lord, we smile. Lord, we, you know, we ain't got a whole lot. Of, I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can provide that many toys. And as I'm doing that, He starts giving me a plan of action on how to do it. And listen, God's not going to ask you to do something that He doesn't believe that you can't do. Come, oh, come on! God's not going to put something on your heart that He doesn't believe that you can't do. And even if you couldn't, he would supply the needs to do so. He would supply the strength to do so. But as I was working, he was selling me a toy drive. And literally, and this isn't mandatory or anything like that, but I'm just, I'm just giving you this. I'm just giving you this, and you take it however you want to. But literally, he was showing me as the, as the year unfolds, literally every person that if you were to volunteer, or if you were to commit to this, you just literally, all you're doing is just however many people is in your home. For me and my, our little family, it's five, you know, five, melting party of five. You know, mom and dad, they're two, but for us, it's five. And literally, we, we're just buying a toy. We're buying the equivalent of toys to the people in our family. So therefore, if it's five people in our family, we're buying five toys. And we're literally bringing five toys to the church every month. Now, I don't know about you, if you've never been in the toy aisle at Walmart, it's a little dicey. It's a little pricey. Sometimes it make you want to take out a quick cash loan because you're like, hey, $40? No. Take the boys to the toy out. Can we get this? Buddy, that's $72. No, you ain't get that. <laughs> I don't even have a $72 toy. I do, and I make payments on it. You know? Whatever. <laughs> so unless you want to make some payments, like, holler at your daddy, you know, whatever. But, you know, there we took them the other day to the Dollar Tree. 
You know, so you can, Lindsay, I don't know if I can afford toys. You can go to the Dollar Tree or you can go to Hope. And you, there's all kind of ways you can get things. But literally, the equivalent of people in your household, that's how many toys you would provide. And we just literally do it at the end of the month. You bring, you know, bring, you know, for us, we bring five toys. We bring them to the church and we find a way to save them. Don't take them out of the package or whatever. We just collect them and we store them. And then come Christmas before Christmas, we, like, we, you, you reach out, and this is where we get back to the reconciling people to God. You reach out to people, you know, and be like, hey, do you know anybody that's in need? Do you know any families that's in need of toys for this Christmas? Yeah, I do, no, 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 I do. Okay, here's, our church is going to have a toy drive. I want them to come. Give them my number. You connect with them, and all, and we'll work it out. But literally, before Christmas, we hand out these toys to families that don't have toys to give to their kids. Now, Lindsay, I, I don't know if I can do that. Literally, you're, if it's just one person in your house, then guess what? You got it easy. You get to do one toy a month. You know, whether we produce a 1,000 toys or 100 toys, at the end of the day, we are producing something. At the end of the day, we are being a garden that is producing fruit to people that need it. This is what being good ground looks like. It's not just about us, but it's about what God does through us. Amen. It's about what God does through us. I meant to print up a sign-up sheet and all that other stuff, but if you are interested, see me after service, and we'll try to work that out, or we'll try to have a sign-up sheet next Sunday. By, this is something the Lord has put in. I mean, it's in me. It is in me to do a toy drive around Christmas, the end of, the end of, or before Christmas, the end of this year. <clears throat> but like I said, you can always hit up the Dollar Tree. You can always hit up the Dollar General. You can, you know, whatever you work within your budget. Nobody's going to throw shade. Nobody's going to judge it. At the end of the day, we want to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. And then, you know, like I said, in December, we'll bag them. We'll pass them out. We'll pass them to the families. We ain't going to wrap them. You don't want me wrapping? Well, let the families wrap them. It's, you don't want me wrapping the presents. I'm just, ask Kelsey. She'll tell you this. Now, <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 6. Now, while you're turning there, we'll be in verse 7. One of the other ways we talked about was the doing, uh, doing a community table. You know, I've, I've spoken to a couple other people, but, you know, we are supposed to be feeding those that are hungry. We're supposed to be clothing those that don't have clothes on their back. One way that actually works within our budget, I don't know if you've seen it, but, you know, if you drive through town, you'll see some of the blessing boxes. I think there's one, uh, there's one by the Goodwin Children's Clinic. Uh, there's trying to think where some more I, police department there's a few in town and you know uh this was a few weeks ago I was working and I was like Lord I, I know you want us to feed the hunger I, all I could think about was brother Norval's story about the soup kitchen I could see him standing and I could hear the whole story it was like on a loop in my head and I was like okay Lord how do I do that if you got this loop in my head how, how do we do that and about that time he brought up the blessing box and I was like oh okay and what the Blessing Bots is, and we're working to try to, to try to fund that and build one and figure out where we're going to put it. But literally with the Blessing Bots, if you've ever seen them, all you do is just take, you know, whatever food that you want to put, like canned goods or, or, or bads or whatever it is, and literally just put it in there, and it's for whoever that needs it. They could just walk up and get it. And, you know, one thing I'd, you know, we, uh, you know, we accidentally um, got these True North stickers. It was supposed to be for the water bottles, but they were too small. So we got a plethora of them. So if you, if, whenever we do uh, do the blessing bots, you know we'll we'll pass out these stickers. You can put them on the back, on the bottom of the canned goods or the bads or whatever, or whatever it is, or you know whatever you put in there. But this is a way that we feed the community and we don't break the bank. 
This is the way that we're feeding the community. This is the way that we're like, and you tell people like, hey, you know, do you know anybody that's in need? Well, guess what? Our church has a blessing box over on such and such street. Go hit it up. Go hit it up. If there's nothing in there, call me. Let me know because that way we can make sure there's stuff in it. Amen. Amen. And it doesn't call. It doesn't break the bank to fill it up. Literally, you just take five dollars, go to the Dollar Tree, go to the dollar store, five dollars, go to Walmart, get canned goods or whatever it is the Lord puts on your heart and you put it in there. Amen. So we got small groups, toy drive. Uh, the community table, feeding those that need it. And we'll, as the year goes, as the year unfolds, we'll, we'll incorporate more ministries. But for right now, that's what I have so far. But the reason we're doing this in Hebrews chapter 6, and I'll close with this. The author of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7, says, For men's hearts are just like the soil. Mm, there it is. So your friend's heart, the people you work with, it's like soil. It's like soil. He says, it's like the soil that drains up the showers which often fall upon it. Can I ask a question this morning? What if showers aren't falling on the soils of their hearts? What, what, if, what if it's not raining on their hearts? Well, Lindsay, how's it supposed to rain? Well, we read earlier, Paul said that because he's reconciled us, we are to reconcile others. So therefore, your co-workers, your family members, your friends, strangers, they are in need of you. They are. The people at the senior center, they're in need of you. The people on my job, they're in need of me. This isn't a way for us to be arrogant. The, pe the, the kids at Montessori, they are in need of y'all. Their families are in need of y'all. Kellen's basketball team is in need of him. Do you realize we are agents placed on this earth? I don't know if you've ever seen a good spy movie, but in a good spy movie, you know, the, you know there's this one uh, good spy show I like. It's, uh, I, um, the, the name escapes me, but literally it's, it's about the Cold War and how Russia, you know, they, they had all these uh, spies or whatever. And this one, this, this couple, they weren't a couple, but literally they, turned, they made them into a couple and then they dropped them into America. And they learned the American language. They learned how to speak English. I mean, fluently. They even learned how to, to do all the accents, southern accent, Boston accent, all these different things. And they, they gave them certain jobs and they gave them certain vehicles. I mean, one of them drove a bot Chevy. I mean, what? Like, you real American, you drive a bot Chevy. Like, or Ford pickup, all these different things. And while they're, while they're you know, while they're among the regular town folks, they would, they would scope out potentials and convert them into the Russian spies or the KGB. We are agents placed on this earth. You aren't just, you know, the sum total of your worst mistakes or your best mistakes. You've been placed by God. You've been chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You've been placed in this town. No matter how you got here, you've been placed in this town. You've been placed a part of this church. You've been brought here on this Sunday morning so I can remind you, you are a agent for the heavenly kingdom. You are supposed to be an agent of change. You are supposed to be able to go into your job and look and see who needs the love of God. You are supposed to be able to go in that school and see who needs the love of God. You are supposed to be able to look at that family and see, do they need help? 
financially or spiritually or mentally or emotionally. You are supposed to be, you are supposed to be able to drive up to the McDonald's drive-thru and as you're paying, you're supposed to be able to look and see, hey, 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 sir, before you close the window, what, what's the total on that car? You know, I, I, I think I could pay that. Here, run it. You are supposed to be able to look around you wherever, whatever space you're in and see, okay, where's the opportunity for me to sow in the heavenly kingdom? Where's the opportunity for me to persuade people to turn to Christ? Where's the opportunity for me to forgive just as I've been forgiven? Where's the opportunity for me to remind people that there is a friend that sits closer than a brother when everybody has left them? Where's the opportunity for me to remind people that they are the head and not the tail despite what their finances say, despite what their teachers have said to them, despite what their friends or enemies have said to them? Where's the opportunity for me to go and act like Christ? Where's the opportunity for me to go and walk and talk and represent him? You are an agent of the heavenly kingdom. You are an agent of the heavenly kingdom. We can't just be good ground and be, and be okay with eating our own fruit. No, if we're going to be good ground, we have to serve others. We have to sow into others. Originally, when I, when I uh, volunteered to coach Keenan's soccer team last year, I did it because I was frustrated with the previous coach. And I was like, I'm going to do it because I'm going to make sure there's at least 10 kids that get to learn something. So I'm doing it with the interest of other kids. When you leave this building, you do things with the interest of other. Does it benefit other people or does it just benefit me? It didn't benefit me. I mean, it, yes, I got to spend more time with my son on the field, but ultimately I was missing sleep. <laughs> just got a new job, had Saturdays off. I want to sleep. No, we're getting up to go kick football but ultimately at the end of the day it blessed kids not because I knew what I was doing because I didn't but because I said okay Lord I'm putting others before myself and that's what you've asked us to do put others before ourselves I didn't I, I didn't invite those kids to church so how were they still blessed they were blessed because the person that was in charge was doing things for their good and he was spirit-led. Those kids didn't know, but on my way to practice, I would pray and say, Lord, please, Lord, right now, I thank you, none of our kids get injured. So therefore, okay, now, now they got a spiritual leader that is praying for their physical well-being. Okay, Lord, no, another prayer. Lord, whether we win or lose, Lord, I thank you that these kids walk away with something. So now you got somebody not just praying for their spirit, for their physical well-being. Now you're pray, uh, you got somebody that's praying that they receive something, whether it's monetary or spiritually. That's what you are to do. Even if you don't know how to talk to somebody, pray for them. Whether you go to them and pray for them or you pray for them in the own privacy of your home. Take, take up conversations with them. Learn what's going on. And then when you get back in your car, when you get home, Lord, you heard what so-and-so said right now. Cut the TV. Don't even worry about the TV. Put the phone on Do Not Disturb and spend those next five or 10 or 15 minutes interceding for them. I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, my granny would do these prayer meetings in her home. In a little home, and I remember being in the summer, you know, and I loved Granny's house because Granny was, Granny had, Granny was the first person I knew that had satellite. Oh boy, when I went to Granny's house, it was high cotton. Now, got to play the fat bat. 
got, you know, a little juice, and, you know, went in the granny, sat on Granny's bed and just watched, you know, Di uh, well, Toon Disney. That, that's when we knew we was good, Toon Disney. When mom, I know how the boys feel now, but when mom kind of picked me up, oh, well, we got to go. Go back to 7 and 11, you know, see, you know, WBBJ, but I'm thankful. But I remember, you know, I'd be watching cartoons, and I hear, I just hear this roar. I never told you about this, Granny. I would hear this roar. So I literally walk up, and I go into, into where the TV room was, and there was her and all these, and all these ladies I'd never seen before, all these white-haired ladies I'd never seen before, but they were going in. I mean, praying to the point it sounded like a roar. And I see them praying, and I back right on out. But there's a few times where I would just lean on the doorpost and I would just listen. As they would pray for people I, I didn't even know, let alone if they knew. But I would hear sometimes they say, they would say, Lord, you saw what when I was at BitStar and so-and-so said that they didn't have this. So right now we pray for everybody. Let's pray for them. They all join and start praying for that person they ran into at BitStar. And I knew as a kid, that's what the walk of Christ looks like. That I'm praying, I'm interceding for people, even if I don't know them. That I'm, I'm going to be an agent that I'm constantly trying to see, okay, who else is in need? Where's some more information that I can take in and take it back to the kingdom of heaven? Where's some more intel that I can gather and say, okay, Lord, this is going on right here. How, how do, what do you need to do? Lord, this is going on in this part of town. That's why when we did prayer night the other night, I was praying for all the four corners of the town, all the, all the many county schools and the city school and the middle schools and the daycares. And Why? Because we are meant to be agents. Heavenly agents. We, we've gone way off the notes, but I pray you've got something this morning. Your life is not your own. Your life is not your own. Yes, you may have hit a certain age, and yes, you may not have the reality that you always dreamed or hoped for, but guess what? That doesn't matter. Your dreams and realities are nothing compared to the dreams that God had for you. I don't know who that is for this morning, but your dreams are nothing compared to the dreams that God has for you. Don't worry about if your dreams have been met or not. He's got a whole nother life for you that supersedes anything you could ever make up. It supersedes anything that you could ever conjure up. For men's hearts are just like the soil that drinks up the showers, which often fall upon it. Some soil will yield crops as God's blessings upon the field. But if the field continues to produce only thorns and thistles, a curse hangs over it and it will be burned. We said it two weeks ago, but there is a harvest that is coming. And this is the scary part about good ground. There is a harvest that is coming. We said it before, two harvests. There's a harvest for the wheat and there's a harvest for the weeds. If you missed that, let me catch you up real quick. But Jesus said that there was a farmer that sowed wheat and when they all went to sleep, the enemy came in and sowed weeds. And then they started to grow up together. And the, the hired hand said to the farmer, what do we do? Do we pull up the wheat or do we pull up the, the weeds? And he said, no, don't do it because if you do, then you'll accidentally destroy the wheat. He said, let them grow up together. And in the right time, we will separate them and we'll toss the wheat in my barn. That's what the scripture says. The wheat will be tossed into my barn, which is symbolic of heaven. But then he says, the weeds will be tossed into the furnace to be burned. There is a harvest that is coming. And guess what? God has placed you in Ledson to make sure that there is more wheat than there are weeds. 
He's placed you at the senior center to make sure there's more wheat than there are weeds. He's placed you at Montessori to make sure that those kids, oh Jesus, grow up to become wheat and not weeds. He's placed you at the, the car parts store or the factory or the construction job or the school or the, or the utility company or he's placed you in Walmart at the certain time that you're in to make sure that there's more wheat than weeds. He's placed you in the family that you are in to make sure that there's more wheat than weeds. Oh, is somebody getting this this morning? There's a heaviness to your life. And guess what? Spoiler alert. Once you walk away, once you go out those devil's doors, you are responsible for the word that you have heard this morning. It's not on me because I've done my job to give it to you. And as we do small groups, we will sharpen you and we will remind you, hey, make, go, go make wheat. Go make wheat. There, that's right. The Oh, Lord, can't miss the hospital to make sure that there's more wheat than weeds. Lindsay, what if I'm walking into the, the tire shop to get my, my, my vehicle service? In that place, scan the room and be like, Lord, is there, any, is there a potential for wheat? Or is there a potential for weeds that you want me to help? You want me to persuade to becoming wheat? Why? Because somebody persuaded you. You know, I've heard Brother Norval say many times that everybody would celebrate Billy Graham. And yes, Billy Graham, great contributions. But you know what? A lot of people forget about the one that persuaded Billy Graham. A lot of people forget about the one that persuaded the one that persuaded Billy Graham. I mean, you can, the, the, the lineage goes on and on and on. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. You are an agent for the heavenly kingdom. You are an agent for the heavenly kingdom. So when you leave these double doors, eventually I want to have a sign near, uh, near the, the entrance that says, and it's pointed this way. That way when you leave, it literally says you're now entering the mission field or whatever we call it. Because I want you to be reminded, hey, you just didn't leave a church service. You left the huddle. You left the huddle and now you're getting, you're, now you're entering into the game. Ha <laughs> ha, Jersey Sunday, I like that. You are, this is the huddle. See, if you end up watching tonight, what you're going to do is you're going to see teams huddle up. And when they huddle up, they're sharpening each other. They're reminding, hey, we're going to do this play and this is the way it works. Hey, I saw you miss that tackle. It's a, forget it, it's the pass. You're strong enough to do this. You're strong enough to endure this. This is the huddle. This is the huddle. Huddle started at 10 a.m. Welcome to the huddle. And when you leave here, you're entering into the game. What is the game? The game is literally you going and showing the love of God to every person that you come in contact with. You going and freeing those that are bound up by their own insecurities. You freeing those that are bound up by the devil. You freeing up the, those that are bound up by the, by the, 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 the instruments of darkness. You go and get into the game. That's all it is. Lindsay, you are so passionate this morning. I am and nobody is, and that's okay. But you are entering. You are leaving the huddle, and you're getting into the game. You are, you, are leaving, you are leaving the barn, and you're getting into the mission field. Please, 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 please make sure you see it that way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Church, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Who's it ready for? It's ready for the sons of God to be the sons of God. 
it's ready for the sons and daughters of God to be the sons and daughters of God. You know, Trevin brought it up Wednesday night, how there is the, you know, he was giving us the update on the family that their house burned. And that, that's, that's what being an agent looks like. Intel, taking it to the saints, taking it to God. Okay, God, here's what's going on. What do you want to do through me? You see how with that phrase, it puts the responsibility back on God versus God, what do you want me to do? Throw that sentence away and start saying, God, what do you want to do through me? Because it puts the responsibility on God. It takes the pressure off of you. Say, Lord, what do you want to do through me? Because that's what being good ground is all about. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much, Jesus. Lord, right now, Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray that you open our eyes and allow us to see that we are agents of your heavenly kingdom. We're not just we're not just the sum total of, uh, of, of our past, or we're not just the sum total of our parents or our families or, or whatever it is or whoever it is, Lord. We're not, the, we're not the product of our environment, Lord. No, we are agents of your heavenly kingdom. We are a new creation is what we read earlier, Lord. We're new creation. We've been made new in you. We are the righteousness of God. And you've placed us in Lexington, Tennessee, and in Henderson County. Why? Because you want to gather wheat and not weeds. You want to store wheat in your barn. You want to advance your kingdom. You want to grow your kingdom. You want people, more people in your family. You want your family to grow, Lord. So help us to commit to that this morning. Help us to commit to that, Jesus. Right now, God, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Lord, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I worship you, Jesus. Right now, Holy Spirit, stir it within every individual in this room. Stir within every individual in this room. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for making us good ground. Lord, I thank you, Father God. You are, you are invoking us. You are enabling us. You are empowering us to be agents of change. We love you. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.